Josh, Josh, uh, did you fill him in on what we're talking about? He no. did not. <laughs> we, we, we were talking we, about cancel we, culture we, and Woody we talk, Allen. Which, which probably should not make it into the podcast. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> home of CNN. That's right, ladies. Wolf Blitzer 24-7. He's such a zaddy. Zaddy! Wolfie! Come to bed! I'll comb your beard with the plastic comb that I got at 7-Eleven. I regret doing that. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. Brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who's been watching Looney Tunes again, John Mihalik. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. My name's John Mihalik, and with me is my co-host, the artistic director of Whole World Improv Theater, Mr. Chip Powell. Hey, John. Hey, Chip. You know... <laughs> We've got somebody who actually graduated with me today. Well, and he has a big journey. He's probably one of our harshest critics. His name is Josh Rosenthal. Welcome, Josh. Uh, thank you for having me, John and Chip. <laughs> is that your podcast voice? Uh, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I believe you are actually a closet Canadian. Um, yeah, I'm not so closeted about it anymore. I, I officially came out of the closet, you know, within the last couple of years, but I did receive my uh, dual citizenship there within the last year. Oh, yeah. get out of town. So where is Josh Rosenthal born? So uh, Josh Rosenthal was born here in Atlanta um, <laughs> and has always lived here in Atlanta, um, but born to Canadian parents. And even then that's kind of split like generation above that. My mother's side of the family is Canadian and then my father's side is from America. So it's very much a, a mixed bag there. Yeah. Yeah. So being raised in Atlanta, uh, where do you go to school when you were growing up? <laughs> um, okay, I went to an elementary and middle school, uh, which no longer exists, called the Hebrew Academy. Gotcha. Ninth and tenth grade, I went to another school, which no longer exists, called Yeshiva Atlanta. And then for my last two years of high school, I switched over to a public school. I went to Druid Hills. That, uh -huh. And then I went to college at Georgia State. That's a journey. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So at what point, because I want our listeners to know, your parents booked you into our summer camp program. At what age and at what point did you end up in summer camp? Talk about that. I think uh, I was 10 years old. I had either just turned 10 or I was about to turn 10 um, the first time I took summer camp here. I grew up loving Whose Line. My older brother had definitely kind of introduced us to it, probably first the, the British version and then the American version. In the summers when I was actually allowed to like stay up late, I would stay up late, watch it on, you know, ABC Family every night. And then on top of that, I never enjoyed summer camps so much. I kind of just liked to have the time in the summer to do what I wanted to do. And uh, my mom was always pushing me to be in camps to do things. And um, so this was one that just kind of seemed like a natural fit. So did you do just one week or... I would usually do one week um, each summer. So I did it from ages 10 to 12. And when I was 12, I did it two weeks in that summer. And that was it. And, and at the time, that was as far as I could go because there was no teen program. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What excited you about that whole program? I mean, you took it twice in one year. What was the catch? How did we get you involved? Um, 
you know, I'm someone who um, I love to laugh and I love to make people laugh. And I was a very socially anxious kid. But when I was able to be here and say a line in a scene on stage and, and make the other campers laugh or make the, um, the counselors laugh, it was very gratifying. Were you a class clown in all the schools that no longer exist? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I could say, you know, to an extent I probably was. I was never a troublemaker or anything like that, but I would often make quips that would make the teachers more often than not laugh um, rather than get angry. I'm just wanting to know what kind of quip. Are they the normal quips we hear from you? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's probably gotten worse over the years, but... Um, There's just a touch of sarcasm uh-huh. in there <laughs> yeah. as he's gotten older. Uh-huh. It's the double-edged sword. So while you were in camp, did you feel just like a natural pull to do something entertaining in your life? Um, I don't know. It's like, I, you know, it's funny is um, around that age, what I really wanted to do was be a musician. Oh. Of course, I, like I said, I enjoyed the comedy stuff, but I really wanted to learn guitar and become a world famous uh, musician. And yeah, I think that dream is kind of out the window, but um, but I, I at least am able to, to enjoy doing it. You had an impressive stuff. line rap about donuts last night in the show. I don't know. Impressive is the word I'd call it, but it was <laughs> it was something. <laughs> So you started playing guitar? Yeah, well, I mean, so I grew up playing piano from age six, which I was never very good at. And uh, at 12, I took up guitar because um, my oldest brother had been playing guitar for some years and never really got good at it either. I'm better at guitar than I am piano, but uh, still not very good. <laughs> so from the time you leave here at 12, you know, you've done your summer camp. What theater is in your life? Is it high school theater? Do you do any college theater? Do you do anything at all? No, um, I never, never did anything theater-wise. Never did any other improv until I was seventeen. Um, or well, seventeen. I was a month away from turning eighteen, and I decided to come back here. And why? Um, Tell our listeners; <laughs> they're waiting to know. Uh, well, listeners, um, like I said, I was socially anxious as a child, and. Um, it had gotten worse as I aged around 16, 17. Yeah, that's old. Yeah. Um, well, you know, from, from what it was before. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it was for a number of reasons, but among them was the fact that my high school, the first high school I went to, it was about 100 students in the entire school. So everyone kind of knew each other, um, at least on some passing level. And I went from that into a school of, I think it was 1,600 students maybe. And I didn't know a single person there. I was very isolated, socially anxious, didn't really talk to anyone. And I decided to come back to Whole World. I remembered all the good times I had mm-hmm. when I was younger. And it was basically just to deal with that anxiety. And along the way, I realized that I actually really enjoyed doing improv. So I stuck with it. So tell us about your first class back. Um, yeah, so... Interestingly, I don't think anyone remembered me. Um, no, they, no, 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 no. There was buzz in the office that oh. you were coming back. Yeah. So whether you know it or not, you and made Emily, an impression. <laughs> Emily confirmed that she remembered me. And then I think mm-hmm. that's because um, I think I came through like in the second year of uh, camp. It had only just started um, when I began. So you were probably in classes with Sarah Baker or oh, no. Michael. Who no, it was um, the Eric was leading the program yeah. at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember Lauren was often there. So you're a, a teenager and you're coming back. What's the feel like? Like you walk into the building? Yeah, I mean, it definitely 
very, very anxious. I'm being put into a new setting with new people where I am also by far the youngest person there. I mean, I'm not even technically an adult yet. But neither am I. Going, yeah, right. <laughs> um, my mom signed me up. And from what I recall, she had to even like get special permission from you guys. Like I think originally she was told like, ah, sign him up for the next class, you know, when he's 18. And she said, no, nah, I really want him to be in this. And then you guys allowed that to occur. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was very strange being the youngest one there in a new place where I didn't know anyone um, doing something that I really didn't understand. I mean, I'd done the camp series before, but it's different being a kid and learning some basics of improv and then as a, a near adult or adult uh, going back into it um, mm -hmm. and learning it at just a, a much uh, deeper level. This program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness for organizations like these, because now more than ever, anybody sick of that phrase? Everyone knows how important the arts are, because where did everybody turn to? two years of health arts. So let's keep recognizing these amazing organizations for what they are and what they do. We love you. So you're taking the class and you go all the way through the program and you graduate and then we offer you an apprenticeship. What's that like? Um, Really unexpected. <laughs> I was prepared to uh, take the entire six-month advanced class again. I didn't think I was going to get accepted into the uh, apprenticeship. I think I was actually the last person of the group who came in that was invited on cast. And I, I don't know if that was, like, I don't know if you were just doing it alphabetically. I have no idea. But just had this conversation, didn't we? <laughs> oh, really? So I, I <laughs> No, we weren't doling out favors. We were going off talent. Well, sure, yeah. And, but I'm saying, like, I don't know if it was, like, um, if the reason I was last, if it was, like, I just made the cut, or um, if my last name was Rosenthal, maybe you were going down the list. But you of, really weren't last, because we are still accepting people into the program. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> so, sure no, no, no. I, yeah. so you weren't really the last. No, 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 no. I just meant of that class coming in. He's one man. Okay. <laughs> you know, someone just had to be the last phone call. You just sure. happened to be. And it, Maybe, maybe he tried you. You weren't there. He <laughs> called somebody else. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, no, I'm, I'm, you know. But I, I was extremely, um, I was pretty elated. I, I never thought that it would happen. Yeah. So I, I so I want to talk about yeah. that. What's elation like for you? <laughs> Believe it or not, Chip, I can feel elation. <laughs> uh, no, it was. I was, do you dance around your room in your underwear? Like, do you jump up and down? Do you run down? Tell your parents? Tell your brother? Like, what's the moment like? I, I I don't think I dance around in my underwear. I definitely told some people. Um, <laughs> definitely, you know, my mom, who was who was my uh, big supporter at the time, and I had some friends like who I'd spoke to online often, and I definitely, I'm sure I let them know. But I think you called me like the night of the first rehearsal. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's when I was invited. So it yeah. was literally just like within a few hours mm -hmm. I showed up. It's funny. It's like at the time I knew a little bit. John and the other people from my group who'd been brought up, but I was still very socially anxious. I hadn't really talked with you guys much outside of like scene work. And I really didn't know the rest of the cast. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it was again kind of triggering to that anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew it was something that I just needed to work through, and I loved doing the improv stuff so much. It was just worth battling that anxiety to deal with. When you say battling the anxiety, yeah. how did you, was this just a mental push for you or did you have therapy? Or- yeah, so I was I was in therapy and my therapist was very, um, he pushed me to do the improv stuff. And, and I mean, it was, it was my idea. He pushed me to do some sort of group exercise and that's what I chose, but he was very supportive of that. It would often be a thing where, you know, I'd, I'd walk into a session in a given week and we'd just discuss how I did at the theater how I felt and and those sorts of things. And when I joined the cast, it took me six months before I signed up for a show because I just didn't feel ready, Mm -hmm. Um, which in hindsight, Mm -hmm. I think was a big mistake. I wish I would have started right away. Yeah. And I'm sure I probably called you and said, why are you not signing up for shows? It it happened. It definitely (laughs) happened. (laughs) I'm glad we're talking about this because so many people deal with different levels of anxiety. And, you know, people come here for different reasons. Sometimes they want to be a better public speaker. Sometimes they want to be a better lawyer. Uh, Sometimes they just want to better themselves. But a lot of people don't know because we have the X group as well. So we deal with a lot of neurodiversity, but we also deal with a lot of anxiety. So for, you know, other students that are coming up that might listen to this, talk them through what is the process of becoming a better improviser and overcoming these obstacles? Yeah. So um, I can definitely speak for anxiety. I remember, I think it was probably my beginner's class. Um, Brian was my teacher. He asked us point blank why we were there. Mm-hmm. And I remember exceptionally few people in the class were saying, like, oh, I'm just interested in improv. I mean, everyone had some other reason. Like you said, I want to be a better public speaker, mm-hmm. right? whatever, stuff like that. So that was a that was definitely a thing. But I think improv is really good for that stuff for a number of reasons. And one is that everyone is going to fail. And everyone is going to fail repeatedly. And they're going to have successes too. But if I'm failing and all the other people in my class are having their moments of failure. It's like we can all fail together and no one is better or worse than the other person. And I like to say it's trying, not failing. Sure. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you're, you're right. I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say that it's like, we're all literally failing. It's more like we're going to have our moments of triumph and we're going to have our moments where we, we don't feel so good about yeah. how we did. And to know that everyone is basically as skilled as the other walking into this and you know we're all pretty much starting from scratch usually it's really freeing to know that we can have that ability to be vulnerable and to have those moments which we're not thrilled about um and to learn from them and grow and then when we do have those successes it feels great to just have other people laugh at us or to laugh at what other people are doing were there any particular improv skills that you were learning along the way that helped with all that anxiety so you know, I don't know that I can say exactly that the skills learned, like improvising, mm-hmm. helped with that, other than simply um, it created improv creates a sort of artificial environment where I actually can kind of learn to talk to people or have practice talking to people um, within a scene. It doesn't matter what I say or what they say, I'm getting experience talking. But the bigger aspect of it, for sure, was the community of Whole World. It was that I was meeting so many people all the time and getting to meet, getting to know them, getting to talk to them, having to work with them. 
the fact that we're there means we're part of a team. And just having that experience was just by far the biggest, uh, the biggest help I had. Hey, you've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and seasoned actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com. And that's theater with an R-E at the end. Because we're fancy. So you wait several months to sign up for a show, and then you sign up for a show. Uh-huh. Do you get in that show? No. <laughs> that was that was actually the the best part. Is like I finally, and I was you know I was so anxious, and I was like I was like ah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm just gonna do it. And you know what? I'm sure they're gonna cast me because it's like they've known me for half a year at this point. Like surely they want me to sign up and be in it. And um, and I think it was I think it was Chris Cap Hayes. I don't know why he comes to mind, but I think he was the MC, and he didn't cast me. Um, <laughs> um, and then the next you week, it's way too long. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week, um, I signed up, and uh, Carlos was casting, and he threw me in. And so, what was that like coming down here, getting ready for a show? Did you invite family, friends, or were you just none of that? You were solo. I, was, I could feel I could feel a solo coming on. Yeah. So what's the night like for you? Okay. So the entire day before and day of, I was extremely anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I just felt it constantly. It was it was all that was on my mind until I got here that night, and I suddenly just became a lot less anxious. You know, getting out of my car in the parking lot. Carlos and Brian were outside. Uh, Brian was, obviously, he was on the main cast, but he happened to, like, not be working the next day, so he just signed up for the show and was in it. And I remember, you know, when I got out of my car, they said to me, they're like, hey, Josh, you know, you're going to do great. Brian's in the show tonight. Nothing, you know, nothing bad is going to happen. He's going to be there to support you the whole time. Like, and I I felt like, yeah, it's good. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to screw me over. Well, Um, no, that's not our goal. I know. But yeah. it's but I love that you're saying that because it's like the safety net of what we provide. You're familiar with the community. Uh-huh. You're already communicating with these people. And there is a level of comfort coming in when you have all that anxiety. For sure. So how did the show go? Horribly. <laughs> <laughs> the big moment of it is uh, is what I refer to as the LeVar Burton affair. Um <laughs> That wasn't the LeVar. That was LeVar Burton. No, affair. your first show. That was my. That was no, my first. It was not. I promise you, it was my first. Holy shit! I'm stunned you're still here. I know, right? <laughs> I am too. No, it was. We need to give some background yeah. real quick here yeah. about LeVar Burton. Sure. There was a game of interrogator, and Tanya was giving clues. Well, it was it was a different form of interrogator than we usually play um, wherein like instead of one person giving all clues or two people giving all clues one person would come in and give the first clue like it was at a party and then the second you know and then they'd leave and the next person would come in Um, but still it was a celebrity Mm -hmm. was one of the things he had to guess Mm -hmm. and one of the people because I was the camera man for that scene so you were there that night (laughs) I was there that night of course you know the MC wants to get a unique celebrity but he picked LeVar Burton and this poor guy just did not know who he was. Yeah, well, you know, Carlos was extremely excited at that suggestion because that was the sort of nerd buff he was. Um, 
And he excitedly took the suggestion without thinking of the fact that I was 18, or I, I guess I was 19 by that point. But, uh, you know, reading Rainbow was before my time. And I'd never In Star seen, Trek. Yeah. I'd never seen Next Generation. I'd never seen Roots. And that was kind of it. Um, I'd never heard of LeVar Burton before. So I was up there for a very long time trying to guess the name LeVar Burton. And Tanya was giving the suggestions, or I mean, giving the, the hints. And knowing what I know now, she was knocking them out of the park. I mean, she was giving as good as it can be. And, and mm -hmm. I had no idea. And somehow she got me on uh, like Tim Burton. So I got Burton there. And, and she, at one point she was like, oh, let me pull this LeVar um, and, you know, put it together. And, and I mean, that, that scene, I, I felt like I was up there forever. And I was fighting. Back then, we had, like, the couch on the stage. Mm -hmm. And my brain was screaming at me, just, like, sit down on the couch and shut down. Like, I, I was really shutting down. And it was mm -hmm. taking everything in me not to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then, finally, I got LeVar Burton. And then there were the next two clues. <laughs> or next two things to guess. Which, um, you know, the, whoever, I remember it was Brian. And I, I don't remember who the third person was. But it's like, they knew that they had to get me out. So they got me out really fast. Yeah. Um, and I went backstage. And I was traumatized about what had happened, like, during the next scene. <laughs> And then it was the final scene of the night, which I was in again with Brian and Jennifer Natoso, who was here at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was still in my head about what had just happened. And I started shutting down again. And the two of them had to kind of carry the scene forward. I went home that night and I was, I was mortified about what had happened. And um, I really thought, I can't do this. I was genuinely considering quitting after that. And then the week passed and I was still mortified, but I thought, no, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to try it more. And, and honestly, it, as bad as it was at the time, I'm so genuinely glad that it happened because I think a lot of the time we kind of step out on stage, we worry, like, what's the worst that can happen? And I think that really genuinely was the worst thing that yeah. could happen. And, Josh, I can tell you yeah. that when I first started 19... Uh -huh. um, uh, <laughs> I'll isolate that in post. I did, a, uh, <laughs> I did a scenario where I was the friar to a maiden and there was an executioner behind us and it was an actor that was shrouded in all black and was holding a plastic fake axe or whatever. And my daughter was to be beheaded and I was supposed to be uh, talking to her before her beheading and it was a buzzer scene and they gave me this outfit. I was so in my head about how do I play this? It was one of the first scenes I ever did on the stage here and I shit the bed <laughs> and I shit the bed big time because they started buzzing me and I, I started to change what I was saying and then I just, I shut down. Same exact thing. I just got heady about it and I froze to the point that the director said to the executioner, you're not to talk, you're just there for presence. That he lifted his veil and started talking saying, he's in shock because his daughter is about to die. Like he was making excuses right. for me. When I got backstage, those two actors were like, what the fuck was that? And of course, the director came back at intermission was like, what the fuck was that? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know. But we all have that moment. Yeah. And I think it's good that that happened to you because we have to have those moments so we know that, oh my God, okay, I need to be super aware of what's going on and obviously know current events. And if you don't know them, rely and trust in your partners by listening to them that's why I think I've not grown tired of this after all these years. I mean, I'm going on three decades. And 
I think it's important for people to hear what you're saying because it is intimidating, but as long as you know that coming in for the first time is going to be different or difficult, you know, you can grow from it. So when do you take the stage again? Um, Probably within a month or so is my guess. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I was signing up, but it, it was sporadically. And I would be in a show, and I and it was it was some time before I felt good about a single show I was in. I mean, mm -hmm. I was in a number of shows that I just I felt crappy about, but mm -hmm. I was just determined to keep doing it. And it was actually um, it was on the advice of my therapist. He said it's not enough to sign up for a show every you know in a, every month and be in it. Like you got to just keep doing it. And it's it's not just about like how how many times you do it. It's about how frequently I do it. And mm -hmm. he was totally right. Can I get his number? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was he was totally right. Eventually, the anxiety started to kind of lift and disappear. Mm -hmm. Once that happened, I really started to have a lot of fun. Well, you've not only had fun, but you've made main stage. So huh. tell our listeners, what is it like to be told you're now main stage? Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that was several years uh, after the fact, but mm -hmm. um, that was it was it was amazing. It, it felt like that had been what I was working for for um, since I was basically 18 and 27 now. I've been on the main stage a few years, um, but um, <laughs> I just I always hoped it would happen. I don't know if I was ever sure that it would happen, but it felt it was such an honor and a privilege um, to be invited mm -hmm. because I guess the way I was thinking about it is like, especially when I came through classes, it was like only a handful of us would usually even be invited into the apprenticeship. And, and then once in the apprenticeship, it's like only certain people end up ever making it to the main stage. And to know that I had um, been here long enough and worked hard enough and grown enough that I got that it was, it was unbelievable. It's so deserving your perseverance and how much hard work you've put in, it's almost like you've done two levels of work. You've worked so hard to learn improv and be good at improv, and you had all your other anxiety issues and mm -hmm. working on both at the same time. You know, I love performing with you because you make such great choices. You know, we even talked about this last night. Last night in the show, we were doing The Cube. This was a, uh, so what happened was show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the moms had gone to Vegas. So we, we were telling the story about the couple that went to Vegas on a date. And, oh, my God, is he normal or is he not normal? When your turn came around, they were in Vegas, but then the cube came around and you said, hey, we're in Vegas. Now everyone's in the same place yeah. in the mm -hmm. cube. And the whole dynamic between everything changed. I just thought it just shot right out of the roof. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. Yeah, and when I did that, ah, we're in ah, Vegas, that's what it was. It was... That exact line had been spoken by the other group in front of us. I mean, I, I just took that exact line, and that and that was all that was needed for that side of the cube. And I think it it goes to show that like sometimes the simplest choice, literally just repeating what's already been done, is the right choice and projects it forward. So, talk to us today. Anxiety today or no? Yeah, I mean, it's it's there, but it's a world of difference. Yeah. Why do you feel it's different now? Again, it's all the time I've spent here. It's mm -hmm. the work I've done in improv. It's the work I've done mm -hmm. talking to people mm -hmm. outside of scenes, and it's the friendships mm -hmm. I've yeah. made. You're in the gang. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, but I think that's important for people to hear. I mean, we've talked about this with several main stagers mm -hmm. that you build friendships, and these friendships will go beyond the walls of whole world into your life down the road. Because I know several people that have been with us many years back. I won't say the number. 
<laughs> but they are still friends, even though they're no longer here at Whole World, because it is about what you're going through together. And it is about building a bond and a friendship. And I think that's also a big part of your safety net coming in here. There's a confidence when you walk in now that you might not have had when you were 19, 20 years old. Because I do remember cracking a beer with you when you turned 21 <laughs> at this bar and going, oh my God, I can't believe this kid was in our summer camp program. And now here we are at the bar and the baby is having a drink with daddy. And he hated the beer. Uh, yes, <laughs> he didn't was, like it. He, did, he I, hated it. It was, it was um, uh, Will Comer, who knew that I didn't really drink prior. I had, had, had like shots of liquor or whatever before, uh, sips of beer. But Will, who knew that I didn't drink and who himself really enjoyed beer, um, said, oh, here, try the Nerd Alert. That's my favorite one, um, <laughs> which was an IPA, which I didn't even know what an IPA was. And I gagged um, <laughs> the moment. But but given that it was my first beer, like first full beer, yeah. like I had, I was determined, just like I was determined in improv to keep going, yeah. I was determined to finish that beer. <laughs> and... Um, and I think I just started kind of chugging it at one point because I knew there was no other way I could get through it. Um, and it, it was vile. And I have i don't think I've ever had another IPA since. I'm still not a big drinker, but I, I will no. drink socially and I'll you know, yeah. usually lighter stuff. Um, and then Elizabeth, you know, she handed me a, an angry orchard and said, here, I think you'll enjoy this more. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And it was better. Yes. I think for me, that was a big moment because I was like, oh my God, you know, he's just turned 21 and now you're coming into the improv, you're coming into manhood, you're coming into all the things. And like, here you are at 27, main stage performer sitting down talking with us and helping other listeners that are hopefully in the class program listening to this to help them understand how to overcome these types of situations. So I'm very proud of you, Josh. Oh, thank you, Tripp. You're okay. I'll take what I can get. It's his job to be proud. <laughs> it's because I'm the daddy, the daddy of the improv. Well, no, we went out after the uh, show last night. Last yeah. night, yeah. We had a lot of laughs. Oh, you know, was... Daniel Connolly, Mike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I drove Jake home and he, he was saying, uh, man, he's like, I had a lot of fun tonight. And it was the same with me. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I was even thinking of it on the way here. I think last night, for whatever reason, was the most fun I've had in like some time. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina. With all the things you do here also, you're also involved in the X Group. I am, yeah. How did being involved in the X Group happen? Well, we know that Andy started the exceptional student, student group, group, I think is yeah. what it was called at the time. And he was starting that up, and he very quickly brought Bethany into it. They had talked about bringing more people in, and I was on that list of people, which I, I don't, I'm not sure I was aware of at the time. I was on that list because Andy was a special ed teacher, mm -hmm. and I had definitely talked with him before about how the improv had helped me so much with my anxiety and my mom is a child clinical psychologist, and I think he knew that, like, that's, it's an area of interest for me, too. I mean, at this point, I'm actually, I'm intending to continue forward and get a degree in clinical psychology, um, but I discussed with him how I thought that improv was 
really good for my anxiety and I imagine is probably helpful for a number of different issues that people will deal with, mental health issues, uh, whatever it is. So that got his attention. And then um, Andy, you know, very soon after passed away, there was a hiatus with the Exceptional Students Group and then it was reformed. And when it was reformed, I'd been approached to teach and been told that Andy, you know, really wanted me to to be a part of that. Uh, so yeah, I've been with it since. And you do camp too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I've, last year was the first year in several years that I've done camp, but yeah. um, it's very, um, it's always surreal to be on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And my first years back when I was doing camp, it was almost identical to the camp that I was doing when, you know, when I was in camp. And I loved that at the time, but seeing where it is now and how far it's come with everything that David's put into it, and it's so much better than it was then. Well, everything has to grow. Yeah. But it's also a testament as to where it started to have a student not only come back and be a part of the adult program, become an adult and then also counsel that program. It says a lot about what it does. It's an amazing program that Emily started years ago. And I think because her heart was so into it that she's able to pass that along to the people that were coming up because there's a lot that goes in the camp that people don't know about because we're in the trenches there in the office putting it all together. And to even go through a pandemic and keep camp alive. The protocols are unbelievable. So people don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. And that's the good part. They shouldn't know what the man behind the curtain is doing. What they should know is that those kids have the best damn time and the addition of what David does for the program, adding all the fun elements. I mean, it's so fun to sit there and order prizes and bracelets and all the fun things that the kids get, the awards, uh, just the way it's grown in a way that still celebrates all the kids. And even on a higher level, really speaks volumes. But even back in its early stages, for you to be impressed by that and to come back for that and to now be a counselor of that, it really, it makes daddy proud. Uh, makes daddy so proud. I think it's, honestly, I think it's a it's an incredible program. Um, to come back, you know, it's like year after year, you'll see the same campers even multiple times within a summer, see the same campers. Like it definitely says something about that. Well, yeah, because uh, water balloon fight. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to come back for that? I really think we need to incorporate that into our Wednesday rehearsals. I, I think a good water balloon fight, <laughs> people are pissed off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice do you have for any students that are listening that are taking our program? Hmm. Um, don't be afraid of, um, again, I, you didn't like the, the word failure. I don't remember mm-hmm. what, what you used, yeah. but just every, everyone. It's not that I don't like the word failure. It's just I don't want anyone to feel like they fail. Yeah. Because when you get up here, even if your scene stinks the whole stage up, like my example (laughs) that I gave you, Uh I could have packed the bags and I could have left. But you know what? I was up there and I tried. And we always, I always say you're only as good as your last scene. And I've stopped saying that because I used to say it years ago because that's not true. Because you're only as good as the next scene. And if you keep striving towards what's next, then you're going to have more success than you are stinkers, as we'll call them, on stage. Because God knows we've all had them. Mm -hmm. But I always want my students to feel like this is a safe space to try. 
and to make sure that even if the try wasn't as good as you wanted it to be, at least you're up there doing it. Because it, like you're saying, it took you a lot to come in the first time. Daniel Clanton was just telling us he sat in the car thinking of 101 reasons why not to walk in the door for his very first class. Yeah. And yet he walked through the door. Yeah. Again, everyone's going to have those moments. And that's the freedom of it, is that everyone is going to have those moments. Mm -hmm. And to be able to to have that and shake it off and then know that I have another opportunity the next time I'm on stage to do something that I feel good about. It's so freeing. And, you know, I think just to have that confidence to do that is 90% of what's needed to be a good performer. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you became main stage. Well, thank you, Tripp. And then let's talk about your sarcasm. Uh, what, what sarcasm? <laughs> let's talk about your critiques. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I no, I you know what, Josh, I think it's it's important that you speak up and I love it because I have to be challenged as well. And so I love when we have opinions coming both ways because you know, you hit them, I lob them back. And that's and, why. And, and I'm usually walk away with my tail between <laughs> my legs. <laughs> but that's why we have such a great working relationship. <laughs> it's been great to have you here. Yeah. Oh, as you, a uh, guest. And a main cast member of Whole World Improv. And a friend. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, guys. I was almost going to say lover, but... We, we, hey, we've been lovers and, and on stage. So <laughs> that's how you got main stage before me, <laughs> yeah. you bastard. Uh-huh. He kept making out with me on stage. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Chip. All right. Thank you. I appreciate and it. And scene. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. A podcast that's not too bad considering how fast John slaps it all together. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and admiral of the Nebraska Improv Navy is Chip Powell. Recording and post-production by John Mihalik. What? What? That's a really good title, John. That's... It's short and sweet, descriptive, you know, all in one, not too braggy, and, you know, I like it. Stick to it. Original music by The Gentle Readers, and our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. We checked your horoscope and it said you should write something positive today. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it is tax deductible, so the government can just cut back and buy the $200 hammer instead of the $400 one. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. And although I still am in Chicago, which is... God! It's still cold! I went down to Atlanta for a couple days. Just a couple guys already have the warm weather (laughs) it's still raining as we speak cold rain (sighs) april what is this it's gonna be may it's gonna be i'm not gonna do it but may tomorrow i really want to do the justin timberlake thing but i'm not going to and it is freezing here when do you get warm again chicago come on sometimes i regret this decision Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Special guest, William Shatner.
Here are your hosts, Artistic Director Chip Powell, and a man who's been watching Looney Tunes again. John Mihalik. I did the same though, John. Marvin the Martian was definitely my favorite. I used to draw him on all my notebooks and everything. And then folks started to compare me to the girl in Clueless, um, Ty. Uh, yeah, because she drew Marvin all over the place obsessively as well. Maybe it may be a little accurate. I'm still waiting to be turned into a Cinderella of sorts, though. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen at this point. <laughs> we are just who we are. Then Travis was going to put a big sticker of Marvin the Martian on his skateboard. He was cool. He's definitely by far the coolest character in Clueless. Mm, yeah, no, I say that with confidence. He was the coolest. Okay, there's character development there. I guess they all had character development, really. Still underrated movie, for sure. You're a virgin who can't drive. 